was shaking, even though it wasn't all that cold. Just as well, he said in answer to the sergeant. He told them to tip the cart so that the shafts stuck up in the air, and little Ernie's body slipped down gently as they upended the cart, and his heels rested on the ground, and his little slack body lay quite at ease against the angled flat bed of the cart. The sergeant got the bottle out and filled two tin mugs. Hurry up, lads, he said, urging them to take a swig and pass it on. Then the officer lined them up. Remember, one of you has a blank, he said, and his face was pasty white. Nothing to be nervous of. But only little Ernie looked calm about the whole affair, and it was over in no time though the bed of the handcart was ruined. And after the rifle fire and the sudden angry shriek of rooks, there was silence. They all stood still, as if contemplating for the first time what it was that they had been told to do. One of the soldiers, Albie Diggle, bent over and retched violently for several minutes, though only the palest, thinnest, slowest dribble of vomit came out and dripped onto his boot. Marching back, angry and shame-faced, the men were sure that they'd never try to do what little Ernie had tried. They wouldn't dare. They might get caught. So they would put up with whatever they had to. Poor little Ernie. Poor little lad. Got fifteen miles back and nobody had challenged him, until at Bethune he was making for the railway station, thinking that was a good place to go to, and he bumps into a captain. Don't I know you? the captain says. Won't you my Batman for a bit? A bloody awful one at that, he thinks. And then it all came out, and they shipped little Ernie back smartish up the line back to his unit. He couldn't explain to them very satisfactorily why he didn't want to stay to be killed. So after the court martial, they sent him under arrest to a barn. Uh, we'll let you know the, ver the verdict soon, they told him. This was the way they always did it. Sent the feller off and chewed it over in his absence. Outside, amid the crunch and crump of high explosive and the whiz and whir of flying metal, farm lads and clerks lay together, silent, awaiting burial. Riveters and barmen hung like bird scarers on the wire. Lawyers and lawbreakers were lost forever, buried under fallen trenches and a prospective Olympic swimmer drowned in a puddle in no man's land. Inside, the colonel spoke of what must be done, while a lone persuasive major warned of mutiny. The way things were now, he doubted if the men would accept a traditional execution. But there might be a way around it, he said, so they reached a decision. When they told him what they decided, and after he'd wept a bit... Little Ernie said he'd appreciate it if Dexter from the supporting battalion could be there, be in the firing squad. Who's Dexter? Well, a little fellow that worked in the same shipyard as me, but he's in the supporting battalion. He's a corporal. So, out of consideration, they sent a runner down the communication trench to the other battalion, and he found Dexter. The Major wants to see you pronto, he told Dexter. The Major? Aye. A lad, you know, isn't a bit of bother. A bit of bother? 
so the runner told him what was up. Later, the Major told Dexter that Grayson would like him there. But Dexter couldn't remember anybody by the name of Grayson, so they took him down to the barn to have a look at the fella inside. Oh, little Ernie, said Dexter, who recognised him as a joiner in one of the shipyards he'd worked in for a time when he was young. He didn't know his second name, but a few times, years back, they had a chat on the tram on the way to work or on the way home. Funny. They'd seen each other just by chance not so long ago. They'd been in one of those estimates in a village a few miles back. They'd had a drink or two. So that's how Dexter got roped into little Ernie's firing squad. By invitation. Not that Diggle would ever believe that. He thought Dexter must have volunteered. He wasn't even with their lot. Dirty sod. Diggle's...